Hi, friend. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. And it is my sincere hope you'll hear something that will encourage, edify, equip, and then get you out into the marketplace of ideas. But before you listen, I'm going to tell you about this month's Truth Tool. My Truth Tool is offered to anyone who gives a financial gift to In the Market with Janet Parshall. And this month, I've chosen the book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Ever been there? Of course you have. We all have been. Sometimes we think we're walking in circles, and we're wondering whether or not God has left us, we've walked away from Him, what in the world we're doing if we're even in the center of His will. So this book is designed to help you find peace and confidence in your current challenge. And all of us have challenges. It also will make sense of most of the lessons you're learning right now. And the most important part of this and why I felt this would be appropriate is because it will help clarify in your mind the unique mission and message that God has given to you. So the book is called Connecting the Dots. It's yours for a gift of any amount. And all you have to do is call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. And give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. If you prefer to do it online, that's easy as well. In the market with JanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Click on through, make your gift, and again, we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. Just below the picture of the book is a description of what it means to be a partial partner. Those are people who give every month a gift of their own choosing. They set the level of giving. I don't. But they'll always get the truth tool. And in addition to that, a weekly newsletter that goes out as well. So consider being a partial partner or getting a copy of Connecting the Dots by calling 877-JANET-58 or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Now please enjoy the program. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a plenary. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a major. 17 years of Palestinians and Israelis Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. So glad we're going to spend the hour together. So let me give you a word, cravings. If I give you that word, what does it mean? Have you ever said to yourself, oh, I'm just craving a bowl of ice cream right now? Okay. Or I'm just craving that second piece of pizza. Okay. Uh, what if your craving is pornography or craving that extramarital affair or craving? Well, you fill in the blank. If we have cravings, it says that we have a passion, a desire, a longing for something in our life. And so we look for all these things to fill that hole where that craving comes from. But today we're going to talk about, well, not sugarcoating the truth on this particular topic. And our teacher is going to be Angie Hassel. And Angie, by the way, teacher is the appropriate word because she was a teacher in Kentucky for some time. In fact, she was featured on PBS as well as Kentucky Teacher Magazine because she had some very creative teaching techniques. But in addition to having been a teacher, she's an award-winning author, she's an artist, and she's a speaker. And her paintings are featured in esteemed art galleries in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Tucson, Arizona. She joins us today as the author of the book, Sugarcoated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. It's a fabulous book, and I can't wait to share it with you. So, Angie, thank you so much for spending the time with me. And I just love getting to know people I'm going to be spending eternity with, and I haven't met them before. So I want to find out a little bit more about you. It's one thing to be a teacher. When did you discover that you were also an artist? Because I've seen artwork in Jackson Hole and Santa Fe and in Tucson, and there's some pretty esteemed people there. So tell me when you knew that you could do more than paint by numbers. 
Well, hi, Janet. Thank you so much. It's such an honor, and I do mean honor, to talk with you. I'm a big fan, and and when I found out I was going to be on the show, I was just so thrilled. And so thanks again. Um, You know, like you said, I do now live in Santa Fe. I'm actually married to a contemporary artist from Wisconsin. Hmm. Uh, if you can believe that one. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes life's struggles can can put us in places where we never thought we'd be. And when I lived in Kentucky, uh, I was actually in a serious car accident. I was hit by a semi truck. And when I was in pharma and I thought my life was over and sometimes God has another plan. But of course, if you know, like they say, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him what your plans are. <laughs> and I thought I would, <laughs> you know, I thought I'd be retired and going around the country in an RV like you see on those commercials. And uh, it was nothing like that. I had a debilitating pain, uh, a nerve injury, mm-hmm. ended up in New Mexico to over to get out of the humidity, got divorced, didn't see that coming either. Life turned literally upside down. And a few years later, I met a wonderful man and contemporary artist who saw I had been an art teacher years ago and said, why in the world are you not painting anymore? And Mm -hmm. I'd never really had someone say, you need to be you. And what a treasure that was. And God brought so many things out of that and writing and painting. And I feel like I'm I'm really in my spot where I can serve the Lord the most. And that is, is such a blessing. So when you paint, what is your favorite medium to use? I use acrylic. I used to be a clay artist as well, but now mm. I, I paint more than I do anything as well as, uh, and Bill's a contemporary artist as well. He's in museums and everything. So, you know, I can't paint like he does. My style is totally different, just like God made us all different. And that's a good thing. Yes, absolutely. What's your favorite thing to paint? I do a lot of abstract uh, based on some Native American studies I've done. I do some landscape as well. And and it changes, you know, depending on sometimes the weather and what's going on outside. Sometimes what I'm going through emotionally, you know, I will do a, a pretty dark looking a painting of dark colors and Bill will come home and say, wow, you're in a mood today. <laughs> and he can, he can tell. And so even when I wrote sugar coated though, my favorite color has always been pink. I'm a girly girl. And so when the, the uh, publisher decided what colors to use, I didn't even say anything, but when they saw it was called sugar coated and they showed me the cover, I was like, God, you know me so well. Mm. And so it, it it really worked out. Wow, that's wonderful. And in the midst <laughs> of all those changes, being hit by the semi, unrelenting pain, the divorce you didn't see coming, you also lost the lives of two friends, right? Tell me about that. I did. I did. Um, one of the, the strongest Christian mentor in my life passed away from ovarian cancer right as I was moving to New Mexico. And you talk about a a life change. I was so used to having her give me so much wisdom. We grew up together. She actually was my art teacher. We became women in Christ together. And when she passed away, it was um, traumatic. And my other best friend passed away from leukemia Mm. and it was tough. It was tough. You start, you know, the same, the same time my, my cousin had passed away, I was moving to New Mexico 
totally starting over. My youngest daughter had just entered college at William and Mary. She was the youngest one to leave the nest. And I, I end up in counseling and my, my therapist said, you know, most people, Angie, they space these life changes out, but you know, you go big or go home. <laughs> and it was true. He was like, what were you thinking? And I, he said, Angie, you're, you're going through grief. And I'm like, well, I know Carolyn passed away. He said, no, not just that women grieve in all sorts of ways. You know, your, your kids are, are now out of the nest. You've moved to a new town and it's a lot to process. And if, if I can give any words of wisdom in just this area alone, it's, space things out. You've got mm. time. You don't have to do all these big gargantuan things at the same time. But I'm a bit of an overachiever and, you know, that's that's what happened. But I learned a lot from it for sure. Mm. Well, Angie, when we come back, I want to talk about this issue of cravings because given all the things you did, there must have been times, I'm guessing, when you would have thought, well, I'll just take this to see if I can deal with the pain. That sometimes precedes the craving. I want to hear how you define it and why in particular you also wanted to tackle this subject for women in particular, that why do we crave and why do we sometimes crave things that are not good for us and then we end up in this ugly cycle of shame and guilt and then that just makes us crave even more. So how do we break that cycle? Angie Haskell is with us, a multi-talented woman who does an awful lot of things and does them all very well. Her newest book is called Sugarcoated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. Back after this. God is always at work in your life, but most of the time you can't see it or understand it. That's why I've chosen Connecting the Dots as this month's truth tool. Discover how to know what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. Ask for your copy of Connecting the Dots when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Maybe you know Angie Haskell under her pen name, Angie Spady. That's right, because she's the author of a whole bunch of books for children and young adults, the Channing O'Banning series and the Desperate Diva Diaries. And they're now out in not one, not two, but three languages. She joins us today because her newest book is called Sugarcoated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. And, you know, we are designed to worship. And a craving in some respects is really a kind of worship, isn't it? That becomes the idol, the goal of my life. So, Angie, let me personalize this first. When you were going through all of those condensed trials, for lack of a better word, did you crave certain things that would help you deal with the pain and the loss? Oh, of course. And I think any woman in the sound of my voice is, is, would admit that they've done the same thing. Mm -hmm. We... And a lot of our cravings, you know, they, they can depend on how we were brought up. They can depend on how much beat down we feel or what we're craving or needing at that time. And one of the cravings that I fell for, and I'm sure a lot would agree, is up shopping. And of course, now we have, when I had the the problem with shopping. We didn't have the computer issue where your credit cards were stored on the computer and you could hit hit one button and it'd be shipped to you in two days. I would right. have really been in trouble if that was <laughs> the case back then. But, you know, when, when you feel like when I lost my job and I was, you know, after the accident and I was laying on the sofa and I felt like I was worthless, you know, who would ever, why would I ever get hired again? And I was thinking, 
of course, I was in so much pain, I couldn't. But I wanted a quick dopamine rush. And for me, it was getting on the computer and ordering something. I didn't need any leopard high heel shoes if I'm staying at home on the sofa in leggings and a sweatshirt. (laughs) But boy, it felt good when I opened that box and saw them. But it felt really bad when I saw my checking account at the end Mm -hmm. of the month. Mm -hmm. And I think it's I think it's only gotten worse for for us because it's so easy, like I said, to to shop. But, you know, again, I've talked to women all over the country when I started thinking about writing this book and I would talk to women and I said, you know, I'm going to write this book about cravings. And, you know, I'd just gone through a divorce and I really needed intimacy and affection. That was something my marriage sorely lacked from the beginning. And you know, was I tempted to get online and talk with with a friend when I'm sitting home on a Saturday night divorced and I'm on Facebook? It would have been really easy to have got on Messenger and talk with someone. I didn't do that, but I sure knew a lot of women that did. And when I would talk to them about it, Janet, they would literally grab me by the hand and say, Angie, you got to write this book. Mm. you've got to write this book. And it just broke my heart because I, first of all, I knew I wasn't alone, but I knew we all struggle with them. You know, if if we all wrote on a post-it note, the things that were going through our minds every day and put it on our forehead, we wouldn't get out of the house. (laughs) None of us could get out of the house. We'd be in such trouble. And so, I mean, thankfully we have a savior who loves us unconditionally and that we can go to. And, you know, it's like you said, we have that hole in our heart because that's what we were designed to do. We only, Christ is what's going to fill that up. But the enemy also knows there's a lot of ways to take us down a rabbit hole and get us into a whole lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And this book was so important to me because I met so many women who are struggling and, and even men, you know, men have their own struggles with this. And when, when my husband, after he read the book, he came in, he'd sit out on the, the patio and read each chapter. And he would come in and he said, Angie, this book helps me understand you so Mm -hmm. much. Any man that even reads this would say, wow, I had no idea women are struggling with this. Hmm. And so it's, it's a labor of love on so many levels to write this book. Wow. You start out, you talk about, we're not alone. I'm so glad you started the book by really looking at women and telling their stories, real stories of women who struggled. When you did this as the research part of the book, was there a common thread that you saw? In other words, while the craving and its manifestation might have been unique to the woman, there had to be a kind of commonality of the fact that this yearning, this craving comes from somewhere. And so what did you learn as you talked to these women? What were the common experiences that they shared? Women want to feel just like any any woman, any person on earth. We want to feel love. We want to feel known. And that someone understands. That's, those are very basic, basic needs. Now, you'd think that we all would automatically feel enough love somewhere that's going to satiate that craving. The problem is, or part of the problem is, I have to talk about social media. Mm. It, Mm -hmm. Social media, I've said before, I don't think it's any coincidence that one big logo of social media is an apple with a bite taken out of it. I mean, Mm. let's (laughs) let's be real. (laughs) Yep. I don't think that's I don't think that's any coincidence at all. 
social media has made things so much worse. There's a reason that depression and anxiety and suicides have gone up. All you have to do is turn on a computer. And I'm just, I'm actually, this is a call out to, to parents specifically. We alone deal with so much pressure to look perfect and all put together. But one thing I thought was really startling in the, the research that I did is that women over 50, women over 50 are on the computer and social media more than anyone else. No. And yet, absolutely. Wow. By about 25%. And so when you think about that, you think about the life changes we've gone through when we're over 50. Many have been retired. Many get divorced. Children have left the nest, or maybe you, you've still got kids home and you, you're struggling with that. And you compound all those things and you put us right in the middle of social media. It can be a train wreck. And it, this is a serious conversation that we've got to have with ourselves, with other women. I talk about, you know, you got to find a sister circle. If you're struggling, mm. you need some women that's going to pray with you, that's going to be honest with you to get real. It, we got to wrestle those cravings to the ground. And this book will show us how to do that. Mm. I want to build on this connectedness. This You didn't use the word community, but that's exactly what you were implying and so I want to I want to tear down some of the bramble bushes that prevent people from taking that first step into getting into a community because we were designed to be in community and you're talking about 50 and over heavier usage on social media platforms that goes to something else you referenced Angie it's our desire to be needed to be long to be affirmed and to be valued and so we think a thumbs up and a like is going to do that back after this Sugarcoated, finding sweet release from cravings that control us. That is the brand new book by Angie Haskell, who is an award-winning author, artist, and speaker. And we were talking about a stunning figure, by the way, that over 50, women over 50 spend more time, if you're looking at demographics, more time than any other age group for women on the computer, which really, that's that breaks my heart because it really says something about the needs of women over 50 and that goes to this question of community. So let me talk for a minute, Angie, about the woman who's not yet retired. She's working 40-plus hours a week. She still has some responsibilities at home. The weekend is where she gets caught up on the rest of her life because she's busy working Monday through Friday. And then people go, you need community. You need friends. And you go, and sure, right, after I finish my 14th load of laundry on Saturday, I'll be sure to step into a community group. And I know that the re people love to hear that kind of encouragement, but then they immediately go, fact check, you don't know where I'm at. Where in the world would I find this for community. I know that you hear this all the time for women. So teach us about some of the pragmatics. Women are profoundly pragmatic. How do we totally. find community when we know that God designed us specifically for that? It isn't on a website. How do we get into a real community? That's such a great point. I've been there. You mm -hmm. know, I, I remember when I was in, in, in pharmaceuticals and my kids were younger trying to get them to do their homework. And I literally would collapse in the bed with my suit and heels on just saying, <laughs> saying, God, please just let me live another day you know, <laughs> so they can pass their, pass their classes. And, you know, it is hard when you're, you're worn out. And sometimes, you know, I can be a real loner, like a lot of people who just want some downtime. And of course that downtime can get us into trouble. We know boredom, there's a lot can happen when we're bored. And, but 
the same time, and I've had to be even reminded about this from my pastor, even from my husband, Angie, get out of the house. I know you're tired. I know you've been working on a painting all day or, I, you know, women that have been at the office. But in my book, Sugar Coated, I call it a sister circle. Mm-hmm. Besides church, of course, church is wonderful. That's where you're going to meet people or be in a life group with people that, you know, understand you. You have the same values. And I take steps in the book to talk with women about how are you going to find that sister circle? Mm-hmm. Some of us don't like change. We don't want to let our guard down to let people know what's going on in our homes. But ask yourself some questions. Who would I call? Let's say if I'm sick, what would it, would it be a neighbor I could call? Who would it be that I could go to with a secret that I could totally trust? Who are those women? And it should be more than one that I can really count on. We've got to let our guard down and seek help. That means we can seek prayer with people that we trust and that we know. For some women, that's very hard to do. Mm-hmm. But I implore that on women, find those people. And I will say, don't put don't put your daughter in one of these groups, okay? Your daughter has enough on her plate without having to hear their mother's problems. <laughs> it, they really do. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you're supposed to be your daughter's best friend. I made that very clear to my my daughters. They're 32 and 27. I don't want to be their best friend. I want to be their mother. Mm. So in these these sister circles, find, if it is some of the family members that you can trust, great. If not, find other people in your circle. Don't ask your husband to be in your circle. I said sister circle for a reason. Mm. Men don't have the hormones we do. They don't get it. And hopefully they're sleeping with us. So they're going to feel a little bit partial to answer the questions or problems we have because they know how much it's going to affect them. They can't be in that. Yeah. Find yeah. women that you can really be you with. I have two best friends. We go every year on a trip. We just got back from Maine recently. I Those women, I can pick up the phone or when I went through a divorce, they were on a plane and in, in New Mexico within a week and said, we'll stay as long as we got to stay. Wow. We need women like that in our lives. They're going to build us up and pray with women because I, oh, they're so precious. Yeah. And you got to start. It, it may not happen the first time, but my mom used to say in order to have friends, one must show themselves friendly, meaning you got to get out there. And so if you've been burned by people in the past and you think somebody isn't safe, so therefore you're not going to open up to somebody, well, start by trying. I mean, you can't ruminate at home and think that this is going to happen abracadabra. You literally have to get out and you have to do something like this. And you just gave some precious stories. And by the way, in in the book, when you talk about building this sister circle, it's so very important because... Iron sharpens iron, if I can put an overlayment for scripture here, because you're not the only woman who struggles with cravings. So find out how your sister in the Lord is struggling in this particular area. And you can pray for one another, lift one another up, and you can learn and you can encourage each other as you're going through your own challenges as well. So I I think so often, particularly in a social media dominated world, one of the death knells has been community that we just, we Mm -hmm. have forsaken the assembling of ourselves, which I think means more than getting together on Sunday morning. It's the fellowship of the believers and we've paid a price for that as well. So I thank you for underscoring that, but takes, I'm going to use a very unladylike term. It takes a little guts to do that sometimes. (laughs) That's very true. And it's uh, especially, 
you know, not to go back to social media again, but even with social media, regardless if it's TikTok, which I certainly do not get on, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people do. But regardless of how old we are and we're on social media, the big word and a huge part of why I wrote this book is shame can present itself in all kinds of ways. And the Mm -hmm. enemy knows that's the way to get us down on the floor and keep us. We've got to talk about shame and what we can do to help pull women into the light with Christ instead of staying in that pit of shame. I love that. In fact, Angie, when we come back on the other side, let's talk a little bit about shame because in the second half of the book, you really underscore what these cravings are, help us to identify the problem, and then what is the solution. That's what the second half of the book is about. By the way, the book is called Sugarcoated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. Angie Haskell, our guest, more after this. in complicated times. At In the Market, we're helping you interpret complex cultural issues through the lens of scripture. Our team of partial partners is growing, and to say thank you, they receive exclusive information from me. In fact, I talk to you directly from my personal computer to yours by email. Become a partial partner today and you'll receive these exclusive benefits. Call 877-JANET-58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We are spending the hour with Angie Haskell, who is an award-winning author and an artist and a speaker. She has written a series for children under the pen name Angie Spady, which I think is so cool. The Channing O'Banning series is one, and the Desperate Diva Diaries is another, and those are now in three languages. She was a high school teacher in Kentucky, and she got featured on PBS as well as Kentucky Teacher Magazine because of her creative teaching techniques. But now her artwork is shown in galleries like Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Tucson, Arizona. Her latest book is called Sugarcoated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. And it really is a wonderfully comforting book. And I'm going to dig into the word shame in a minute, which is something we touched on just before the break. But Angie, to make sure that everyone listening all across the country is on the same page, give us your working definition of what's a craving, because you can't fix a problem if you don't identify it first. Very true. A craving is an unmet need manifestation When we crave, it's a longing, a want. It is a temptation. The the point of the book is to stop cravings before they become addictions. Mm. And that's a critical crossroads that many women and men get at. And so understanding these temptations or cravings are very important because as, especially as Christians, we feel like when we do give in to a craving that we are just the worst person on earth. We, we beat ourselves to death. We shame ourselves to death. We feel horrible. Of course we feel convicted. The Holy spirit talks to us when we know we've done something wrong. We know that. However, we still struggle. The reason this book is called sugar coated is because there's a connection with a craving, just like sugar. We know now that sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Mm. There's hundreds of studies about that. But what happens when we do have, we do give in to a craving, whether it's a donut 
or me shopping for a handbag or someone watching pornography. Dopamine is released in our brain. Our, our chemical structure in our brain, we don't know the difference if it's wrong or right. We just know how that dopamine release makes our brain feel. My daughter is a, a cognitive psychologist, and we had some great discussions about it when I was writing this book. But here's what happens. When the enemy gets involved and you combine his, what he's doing with our minds, to what's physically going on with our minds, you've got a really dangerous situation. Our brains don't know the difference, Hmm. but the enemy knows exactly what he's doing. And so that's when the shame comes in. And it's a very physically and spiritually potent problem. And when someone is experiencing such shame after committing one of these acts, it's very hard to think we're worthy of love. Mm -hmm. We can be Christians, you know, and, and think God loves me no matter what. But after we've committed or given in to a craving, it's hard to feel loved. And right now with, with the media, whether it's TV, whether it's social media, regardless, sometimes we are more loud than we are loving. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. We can't just condemn, condemn, condemn without lovingly talking to those, you know, in our community or in our circle to say, you know what, there may be a problem here. Mm -hmm. It may be a problem. I want to go talk to someone about my pastor or one of my friends, or we've got to really think about what are we, are we really condemning these people without really looking in the mirror at ourselves saying, you know what, I probably got some of those problems too, but it's way easier to point the finger at someone else. We got to own who we are and be honest with ourselves. That's it, not fun. This, this was not an easy book to write when I held women's hands and they were telling me how their bank account was empty because of pornography or they had a divorce because of an affair they couldn't get out of. These are tough subjects to talk about. And I even had a, a major Christian publisher tell me, Angie, if you write this book as raw and as real as you're planning, you're going to upset the apple cart. Hmm. And my reply was, well, maybe someone needs to do it then. <laughs> because we've got to talk about these things. They're, they're hurting, uh, we're hurting ourselves physically, emotionally, most importantly, spiritually. We, we don't want to lose that relationship with, with Christ. This should affirm how much we need Christ in our lives. Let me pick up on something you said before. When I asked you to define craving, you said an unmet, unmet need. You didn't say an unmet want. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. So if there's a need, and looking at the way that God puts us together fearfully and wonderfully, maybe yes. the need is there for a purpose. And so maybe the selection of the craving is wrong, but the need is there because God is trying to tell us something. So. I, it means okay. I'm going to have to identify what my needs are first. I made a, I may make a wrong choice in the craving, but if the need is there, maybe the need is there because God wants to direct me somewhere or teach me something or have me learn something that I, I'm trying to figure out, but I've come up with the wrong solution. It's the, it's the shopping, it's the mm-hmm. food, it's the pornography, fill in the blank. But the need says there's something that I'm wired to have met and it's not being met. So true. And that's when we really have to have not just a conversation, you know, 
thinking about what is it I, you know, why am I doing this? What is it I really need? That's when you really do have to go and get help with from your pastor, a therapist. Of course, prayer is important. That's a big part of the sec, uh, the second half of the book is mm-hmm. figuring out why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why have I made such stupid decisions? You know, during COVID, for example, I talked to a lot of women who said during COVID, Angie, I used to have trouble getting my my daughter off the computer, but now she's in high school. I'm trying to get her on the computer to finish her homework. Mm. And once that kid is, you know, gone to bed, they were like, Angie, all I wanted to do was drink wine or mm-hmm. have a cocktail. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I so out of control? We know alcohol uh, consumption of alcohol went up 65% during COVID 65%. Mm. Wow. And yet women are saying, why am I doing this? I never did this before. Well, a lot of this was stress and pressure, but yet you couldn't go get help or you didn't know what to do to, to wrestle this to the ground. A lot of churches were even closed. So at, at this point, when we see we're involved in an affair or we see that we, ha- we want to, there's nothing wrong with women wanting to have physical intimacy with their husband. But I talked to a lot of women that didn't experience that. They didn't want to talk to their husband about it. Even if you're married to them for 20 years, they didn't want to talk about it. But what happened when they couldn't? Pornography, affairs. Then you have to really see, you know what? Maybe there's a problem because mm-hmm. I don't know how to communicate with that person under my roof. You've got to get help to figure that out. And as we get older, it's even harder. And a lot of these cravings and temptations are tied to, to sexual cravings and, and the need for intimacy. As we get older, it's tougher. And it's almost sometimes like God is playing a cruel joke because, you know, as kids leave the home, we women feel good about ourselves. Maybe we want to be more daring. We feel good about, hey, I don't have to worry about if the kids are staying up listening. We might want to have intimacy with our husbands like never before. But at the same time, husbands, on the other hand, may have work pressures greater. You may be paying college tuition. There's physical issues that men have. And then there's a big elephant in the room that you can't figure out how we're going to bridge this gap. You got to have the conversations. Mm-hmm. Many times we women, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. We think we've got all the answers and we know exactly what our husband is going to say. Well, we don't. <laughs> we don't. Sometimes when when you really think about it and you 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 ask your husband or you have the nerve to to ask, what is it you need? you may find an answer that you weren't prepared for. That's really quite simple. Bill and I talk about that all the time. We've both been divorced. We know what that's like when there's no communication and there's a serious breakdown. Cravings can sometimes rise out of fear to communicate what you really need. You've got to talk about that with someone. That's why there's licensed counselors. That's why you have a you find a church with a pastor you can go to and talk to. You've got to sit down with people who can help you. Otherwise, your life can be at risk. Your emotional state can be at risk. I'd hate to hear another woman have to go through this. When you really sit down and think about it, 
there's help out there mm-hmm. for all, all of us, for all of us. None of us need to feel shame. We have all been guilty of falling to a temptation, whether we like to admit it or not. If you're living and breathing on this earth, you've given in to something. <laughs> we have. That's just reality. And so we have to really pick apart, pick apart what those are and mm-hmm. why we did it. And yes, sometimes we've got to go get help. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me pick up on the the shame idea when we come back, Angie, because this is where I want you to share with us as you do in the book about the power of the Lord, because shame is ugly. I mean, now, therefore, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So when we beat ourselves up, when the accuser reminds us, hey, you were watching porn, how dare you? Uh, well, you just, uh, you know, you binged today. How dare you? You went out and spent money you knew you didn't have on your credit card. How dare you? How do we deal with this issue of shame? How can we boldly approach the throne of grace and ask for his help, his hope, and his healing when we're dealing with these cravings in our lives? The book that Angie has just written is called Sugarcoated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. I've got more information on my website, and if you'll go there, you can also link directly to Angie's website as well. Back after this. Angie Haskell's brand new book is called Sugarcoated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. Very, very insightful book for so many people who struggle in this area. So Angie, talk to me about shame. Does shame have any place in the believer's life? And what do we do when that shame cycle, and it almost always is a cycle, I did it, I feel bad, I'll do it again because I feel bad, I do it again, I do it again, etc. Talk to me about how we break that cycle. You know, one of the key components in dealing with shame, and, you know, I've I've talked with many pastors about this as well, but we do have to confess. We do have to confess to one another for healing, and we confess to Jesus for salvation, James 5, 16. And we, we have to talk with someone. But when shame, there's, there's two different parts of shame, though, that we really have to think about and apply that to ourselves. And that is, it's it's very much like sorrow. So we can have a worldly sorrow or shame where we get caught, right? We get caught with our hand in the cookie jar. We have regret, but then what happens? Many times we go right back to what we were doing before. We just got caught. But godly sorrow or godly shame, that brings repentance. Mm. That leads to salvation and a real change. And that's what we're called to do. We have to confess to someone. Shame, of course, we're going to feel bad. That's where the trust factor comes in. Real people that care about you, Christian brothers and sisters that know you're struggling, they shouldn't judge you when you're talking to them privately. They should want to help you, not condemn you. That's why a lot of people are so terrified to talk to anyone because they, especially people that are, are struggling with shame, they not only feel like they're unworthy of, of God's love, they don't feel like they're even worthy to talk to someone about it. Mm. That's a big part of why I wrote this book. Christ, while we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. We can't forget that right when we were in the middle of, of sinning, when when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, did he scream at her and make her feel terrible? What did he say? He said, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. 
and he gave her love and he gave her compassion. That's what we're called to do if we want to be like Jesus. Do we need to talk with someone privately if we see that they're struggling? Absolutely. But we don't have to shout so loud and deafening that they are afraid to even talk to anyone. That's really important. Wow. Again, that opening up, this goes back to the sister circle you were talking about before. First and foremost, confess it to the Lord, but just to be able to have that person who, like Jesus, has a heart of compassion and can say, I'm not judging you, I'm here for you. That's so tremendously important. You know, yes. uh, Talk to me about how you get those cravings under control. Because again, that cycle issue that I talked about before, if a craving still keeps coming up again and again, Angie, is that sort of a red flag that says, girl, you're going to have to figure out why you're craving this particular fill in the blank so much, because obviously there is a need in your life that got us placed there, but you're meeting it in the wrong way. Totally. And, you know, sometimes it, going back to all the women I interviewed, to me, the worst way to be reminded of that you've got a problem is if we have children or adult children. <laughs> I heard that a lot from women who would say, you know, I can't, I finally realized I had a problem with drinking when my son got arrested for drunk driving, or I've been so insecure my whole life. I have had so many, you know, uh, facial fillers and, and look, I'm not knocking Botox. I have them too. But when we have so many that were unrecognizable and then I had one parent say, my daughter saw me have so many procedures when she turned 17, she wanted to have breast implants. Mm. And then the father looked at the wife and said, can you not see this is a problem that's now rolling downhill? What we do, our children can do in excess. And sometimes that's the flag to say, wow, I don't just have a problem. I've created some other problems too then it becomes even more serious. So we can really feel convicted that way. But there's several, you know, different avenues and in, in, in sugar-coated that I talk about to get help. I had someone once tell me when I told them I was going to see a Christian counselor, they said, therapy's for weak people. Mm. And Janet, it broke my heart. Mm. Because that's just not true. Mm -hmm. There are licensed, loving Christian counselors and pastors that want to be alongside you and help you get well so that you can understand what's going on. That first step is going before the Lord and saying, please give me strength. You know, Joshua 1.9 says, I've commanded you to be brave and strong, haven't I? Don't be ashamed or terrified because I am with you wherever you are. Even when you're on that computer doing the wrong thing, God is there with you. You have to be brave and go back to him. But it can we've got to get out of this shame cycle, worrying about what everybody's going to think, what everybody's going to say. I've been there. And what I've found is the people that really love me, they're going to love me no matter what. Mm. And they are. And then we have to realize that's your people. If you are with a circle of friends that pray with you, they know God's law and what he wants you to do as a Christian, that's your people. People that condemn you constantly, you need to step away from those people. They're not going to help you get healthy. God and the people he puts in your life to love you, they're the ones going to help you step out in the light. Hmm. Angie, when a craving shows up in your life, how do you handle it? 
The first thing I do is pray. Second thing, I have two best friends that are God-fearing women, and they are on speed dial. (laughs) And I go to them, and I thank God for them every day. And I have a God-fearing husband who will love me through it all. And I pray we find those people that give us a reminder that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, yes. Oh, I tell you what, that's such a powerful verse. Romans 5, 8. Read it before you go to bed tonight. While we were still sinners, Angie underscores that verse in her book because we don't come to him clean. I don't, none of us can, by the way. We come to us as a mess, and that's when he died for us. Not when we were perfect, not when we had it all together, when we were messed up. While we were still in our sin, he died for us. It tells you something about the condition of unconditional love, limitless. Angie, thank you so much for the book. It's so tender. It's compassionate, it's thought-provoking, and it reminds us that this cycle of shame can, in fact, be broken. Again, it's called Sugar-Coated, Finding Sweet Release from Cravings That Control Us. Go to my information page on the website, in the market with JanetPartial.org. I've got a link to Angie's website, so you can get a sneak peek at some of her artwork as well. But there's the book on the right-hand side. Click on through if you're interested in reading it, because it's well worth your time. My heartfelt thanks to Angie Haskell and to you, friends. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.